Charles, by the way. I'm uh, part of the ministry team for Storyline. And uh, see you later, Jack. <laughs> As Dasha said, we have been in the midst of a conversation about worship this fall and um, what it is, how we do it, how we live more deeply into a life of worship. And uh, we're going to talk tonight about false worship. As I was thinking about this, it kind of brought to mind an experience I had growing up. Uh, my family helped to start a church in northern Missouri. And uh, every summer, youth group would come up, do a vacation Bible school or something like that with the kids. And my dad inevitably would post some sort of skit night. And he did like three fourths of the skits. I don't know where he got all the skits, but he was like the skit man. And I remember one that was particularly memorable. Uh, where it was like a solo skit, just him, uh, kind of told the story of a guy who was walking down a road and got distracted and ended up walking right off the edge of the cliff. And he's falling off the cliff on his way down this branch, and he grabs on to that branch, and he's scared out of his mind, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, Please help me, somebody help me, please! Help me, help me, come and help me, please! And uh, one of God's angels comes to the man and uh, says, hey, what's going on? You're, you're barely hanging on there. Uh, what happened? Well, I, I got distracted. I fell off the side of this cliff and I'm hanging on for dear life. Can you help me? Please help me. And the angel says to him, well, um, why don't you let go? The man looks at the angel, starts screaming in, help me, please, somebody help. And I think that story is uh, significant because it, it kind of sheds light on the way that humans have a tendency to hold on to things and put our trust in things more than or instead of God. We would rather have something that we can see and something we can hold on to than to trust in God. It also shows that everybody worships, everybody trusts. We're trusting in something to be alive and well. Our trust is either in ourselves or in some branch, in some form or fashion, or in God. Everybody trusts and everybody worships. So we have a, a decision with what to do with our worship, where to send our worship, who to worship, or what to worship. And this was a big conversation in the Scripture, too. Uh, in fact, most of the time in Scripture here, most of the time in Scripture... They, they use the word to describe when people would trust in something more than or instead of God. And that word is idolatry. So people would carve out these images, these little wooden trinkets or whatever, and they would, they would worship them. They would put their faith in them instead of in the living God. Uh, it was such a big deal that when God gave the law to Moses, uh, out of the Ten Commandments that he received, these were the top two. Uh, conversation about idolatry and worship of God was number one and number two in Exodus 20. Exodus 20, verse 3 and 4, God says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children 
for punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now this wasn't a big deal just because they were making some random trinkets that, you know, little pieces of wood or stone. Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a hobby for the ancient Israelites. There was, uh, there was livelihood wrapped up in idolatry. So idols represented gods over fertility and agriculture. So to worship uh, a fertility goddess and to worship her idol was basically to put your trust in that god for your family life, for the children that you would have, or to worship a god for, for, uh, of agriculture so that your crops would come in, so that it would rain. All of those things were ways that the children of Israel, the people of God, were putting their trust in something other than God. They were trusting in those idols and those gods and goddesses more than they were trusting the living God. You see, through the pages of Scripture, the kings of Israel weren't judged by whether or not they had a great economic policy or a great foreign policy. They were judged by what they did in relation to idolatry. If they smashed the idols at the high places, if they were faithful to God themselves. The prophets in the Old Testament, the lion's share of their prophetic ministry is railing against how Israel had depended in other gods and in other things other than the living God. They had, they had trusted something other than God to secure the future that they wanted for themselves. And then Paul in the New Testament, it's not just an Old Testament thing, Paul is a missionary in the, the Greek world, and he's talking to people who go to temple all the time and, and eat these meals that are offered to idols. And Paul is having a conversation with people in Corinth and Ephesus about worshiping God and not the idols that are down the street at the temple that you can find in every corner of life. And there's two interesting ideas in the scriptures about, about idolatry and false worship that are kind of almost paradoxical. They seem to compete with each other. Now, on one hand, there's this constant refrain in scripture about how, how idols are nothing and how they're worthless or powerless or incompetent. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says, So then, about eating food and sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. So they're just, Isaiah would say, they're just little pieces of wood. They can't talk back to you. They can't determine your future. They can't help you. Why would you worship something like that? They're, they're nothing. But then interestingly, there's also this companion idea that, that seems to contradict this idea that idols are nothing, and it's the, the idea that idols are something, and that there is something connected, there is something going on when we practice idolatry. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 14-22, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, our participation in the blood of Christ, and is not the bread that we break participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. 
Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to, idol, to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, there's the first idea. And here's the second idea. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You can't have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than He? So there's this competing idea that there is something behind idolatry. That there are demons. There are spiritual forces of evil that stand behind the idols that we would worship. That we're, we're coming into contact with and coming in lead with when we give our allegiance to someone other or something other than the living God. There's certainly lesser than God, but there is some spiritual power to all of it. Or else, why else would people go to it? If they, if they didn't have some luck trying their hand at idol worship. This may sound a little strange, you know, that we're talking about idols. It's a kind of culturally obsolete in America to talk about idols. There are, there are literal idols all over the world in lots of different cultures. It may seem weird to us, but idol worship in lots of countries around the globe is still a very prominent thing. Um, but I would, I would submit that even if we don't have the little statues around, we still have plenty of idols. There are still plenty of things that get our attention as American people, United States, North American, Western culture kinds of people that, get, that try to get our attention and draw us away from trusting God. They, they, they say, trust me, or trust this more instead of God. Um, just to name a few, there are a variety of ways that we could trust other things more than God. Money and possessions. We could find our security and stuff that we have, or the amount of money that we have, so that we can depend on money to meet our needs in a way that, that God wants to. Uh, addiction is another really popular item. It's another way that we worship falsely, whether it's dependency on alcohol or drugs or pornography. Usually we use addiction as a way to cope with our fear. And it's a way of worshiping, as it were, or trusting in something else to take care of us or to meet our needs when God is the only one that can do that. Uh, don't get mad at me, but I think politics can be, a, can be an idol where we trust in a presidential candidate, we put our hopes and aspirations, regardless of party, into a political system that, that can't take care of us the way that God can take care of us. Maybe it's a sports team, or even religion. The idea that uh, if we're just good enough, and righteous enough, and work hard at being spiritual enough, that, that we can take care of ourselves. Um, and then you have the occult, things like psychics and uh, the horoscope in the paper. Uh, food can be an item. We can run to food to take care of us and to try to drown ourselves in our uh, in, in comfort when we're worried or afraid. There are so many things that can take the place of God in our lives. I wonder, what, what are those items for you? What, uh, what branches are hanging around in your life that you are holding on to. Uh, 
because um, the Word of God today for us, if, if we want to, to worship truly, if we want to worship with all of our hearts, we have got to let go of whatever it is we're paying on to. Whatever other gods we're worshiping or putting our trust in, whatever idols we're bowing down to, whatever, whatever branch we're, we're hanging on to, the Word of God for us today is to let go and stop and turn to God. The, the scriptural language for this is repentance. Turning around and moving in the opposite direction. Yeah? I have a question. Excellent. Do you think that there are real demons behind those idols too? The short answer is absolutely. I think it's I think it's what Paul talks about when he talks about the principalities and the powers. That the principalities and powers are behind a lot of the draw of politics and, um, and religion, the abuse of religion, money and possessions, addiction, absolutely. I think there are still spiritual forces of evil that are at work. When, and that's why it's so hard to get out of it. It requires more from us than just to say, I want to stop this. Because a lot of times we can get entangled. We can get entangled into addiction or into habits of behavior. That it's more than just our willpower. Paul talks about sin having this power unto itself. That it kind of has a power over us. And I, I think that's there's something more than just us at play. There's, there's um, the flesh, but there's also certainly the world and the devil to defend. Yeah. The good news is that when we approach God uh, wanting to let go of our branches, wanting to turn away from whatever way we're worshiping falsely, that He receives us. He receives us with mercy and grace and compassion. And God, through the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus, makes us whole and heals us up and cleanses us from our sins and even empowers us when we need power to get over addiction that we don't have in ourselves, or when we need power to shake something that we've been turning to and depending on for too long, the Holy Spirit of God can give us the strength to do that. So the rest of our worship time tonight, I just want to give you the opportunity to, uh, to do that um, together. And we'll have a couple of ways to do that. One, one way is just a way that we can say no to whatever false false worship we're participating in, whatever branches that we're having trouble letting go of. And that's what these branches are here down on the ground in front for. There's a bunch of branches down here. And as we worship, I want to invite you, if there's something in your life, and I'm, I'll tell you, I'm going to be up here with everybody else because I've got a branch or six that I need to bring. <laughs> uh, but if there's something in your life that you want to symbolically kind of tell God, you know, I'm ready to let go of this. Come take a branch and break it. Break it as a way of telling God, I, I don't want to hang on to that anymore. So that's a way of that's a way of practicing repentance. And then behind me we have the table of the Lord that Paul talked about where we can we can say no to false worship, but we can also say yes to true worship and experience the grace and the mercy that comes in the table of the Lord when we remember the, the blood and the body of Jesus that were shed for us that
recover our brokenness, we remember the power of the resurrection that offers us a way forward. So as we as we sing together, as we worship together, I invite you. Um, if you've got something on your heart, you want to break a branch, as we sing, come and do that. Come and take communion. Just do that as your, at your own pace as we worship together for the next 20 or 30 minutes. Um, I also do want to make available, Julie and I are going to be hanging out over here. Um, if you want to pray, there's something on your heart, you've got a burden or a blessing you want to share, um, and you want to pray with somebody about that. If you want to bring something out into the light tonight that you're feeling some conviction about, um, come, and, come, and, uh, come and see us and we, we don't have answers, we have not magical powers, but we can, we can pray for you and uh, seek God together. Let, let's worship in spirit and